Hello, welcome to episode number 156 of the DBSA podcast. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books, and with me today is author Sonali Dev. We are going to talk with Sonali and at some points with her dog Simba about romance reading, romance writing, increasing the diversity of romance in just about every possible aspect, applying Bollywood film structure to the romance genre, because you know they have a lot in common. Plus, we get some insidery type information about books three and four in her series. Now, I want to note at the beginning of the podcast, we're talking about what she's wearing, and I just want you to know I am not a perv, or at least I wouldn't record it if I were. This was recorded right after the end of RWA. Both of us were exhausted, and the idea of wearing actual clothing was quite repellent. So I wanted to make sure that she was as comfortable as possible while we were recording. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of national best-selling author Anne Calhoun's Evening Storm, the new e-novella in her simply addictive Irresistible series. You can download it on August 18th. And we have a podcast transcript sponsor as well. If you would really like to embark upon tongue-twisting fun, say podcast transcript sponsor like six or seven times, it's great. Free tutorial is the global free meeting place for readers and writers from all over the planet. It is a publisher and library, and they invite you to download and read some of your favorite public domain books and articles, as well as books and articles published by their authors. There is a lot to discover at Free Tutorial. Our music is provided by Sassy Outwater, and I will have information at the end of the podcast as to who this is. And of course, I will have links to all of the books that we discuss in the podcast entry or the show notes, depending on what terminology you want to use. And now, on with the podcast. Hello. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. You didn't take off your pajamas, did you? Oh, uh, no, I did not. Good. No, good call. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't sure, and I'm like, oh gosh, I have worn makeup for like five days straight, and I just cannot do it anymore. <laughs> oh my, seriously, if my skin could talk, I know it's it's like. Oh great! Hold on a second. Is that your dog? Yes. Awesome. Yes. Tell me about your dog, because I love when there's a dog on the podcast. Um, his name is Simba and uh, he's been a bit traumatized because we left him alone for five uh, days and he usually feels traumatized if we traumatized if we leave him alone for like five minutes oh poor so, Simba and he, he also has epilepsy and we found uh, that you know sometimes we, we've been trying to see if there's a, a connection of when he's traumatized and he has seizures so we've been watching him today, and I don't want him to leave the room because of that. But of course, as soon as I'm on the phone, he has to leave, has to want to leave the room. <laughs> he, he, of course, is absolutely welcome to be a guest on the podcast. We are very pet friendly. And in fact, if there's a, if there's a podcast where someone's dog or cat is not making noise, I kind of feel a little confused. Well, I'm glad then because he, you know, of course, he's the quietest dog on earth. And then, of course, right now is when he wants to be heard. <laughs> of course. Of course. Okay. So, first important question. Are you recovered from RWA or do you need another week to recover? Oh, my gosh. I think I need a month. It's just crazy. Are you recovered? It's the craziest thing how emotionally exhausted I am. No, I, mean, I, I, I need a week too. Wow, because, you know, I mean, I I usually kind of go into this Zen space where my uh, my pulse and my blood pressure, everything is kind of down. I go into this, like, slightly meditative state where I'm, you know, really, like, being calm about everything and just trying to soak it all up. And still, when I come back, it's like I just, it's like something inside me exploded. <laughs> it's really weird. I, I can feel myself hitting my <laughs> limit. Like you have reached maximum stimulation of being around people and you need to go find a cave and live there for a week or two, maybe three, and then you will feel better. Yes. Yes. I think I'm, yeah, yeah. I definitely hit that. I just didn't realize it because I thought I was being so, oh, you know what? I'm just being calm. I'm not trying to do too much. I'm not, you know, but oh no, oh no. It just, 
was just, I think um, the last day it was just, I was going wow. to. Uh, Sim- Simba together. agrees. Simba completely agrees with you. Simba. I, yeah. We'll, we'll try to ignore him. I'm sorry. No, really, don't apologize. This makes me so happy I can't even tell you. Well, and and I, I couldn't tell you how quiet of a dog he is. I mean, he will, you will never hear a peep out of him otherwise. It's, it's, the, it's the podcast. Everybody wants to be a guest. Totally <laughs> fine with that. Now, this year's RWA must have been a little bit extra exhausting because oh. you... I agree, Simba. She, she, I'm totally right. You were a Rita nominee. That is yes. that is a lot of, you know, you have the signing and then the flag and there's receptions and then you go to the ceremony and you're in the special reserved section and the whole conference. I guess you're kind of looking forward to that one night like, OK, almost there. Did that make it extra tiring or were you kind of like, nah, it's just people. I'm tired anyway. You know, I had kind of. Um, like I said, I you know, I, I kind of make the effort to get really like Zen and meditative. So I had um, made the conscious decision to kind of stay in this moment. I know it sounds completely weird. Not but at all. I had, it does not sound strange I, at all. Yeah, I had, you know, so I wasn't thinking about it. Uh, until the day it came and everybody of course stops and asks you so aren't you excited about the ceremony and that's the only time I would go oh yeah you know the ceremony (laughs) but I had packed up my sari and it was at the bottom of my suitcase I was kind of not thinking about it at all there was just so much to be excited about you know being uh, this was the first my first RWA with a book out I think that was the big one like everybody talking to me about the book and you know people actually having read the book which was insane for me I mean it was just like people coming and talking to me about the characters and about parts that they liked and you know these random conversations where people are talking about these characters like they're people and it was it was just insane like that was what I think was just um you know it was like dream in a pill completely <laughs> crazy and I didn't even get a chance, I think, until um, until I ran into you. Just, you know, I was until I was dressed up and I ran into you. And even at that point, I was like, oh, there's going to be a ceremony. Oh, I'm a Rita finalist. And, um, you know, until I was in there and then the whole thing becomes like really overwhelming. But until then, I was um, there was just so much to be overwhelmed about that it wasn't, um, you know, that it was easy enough to kind of put, put you know, put that um, on hold until the ceremony came along. And then so you could it, be nervous. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think that uh, even the nervousness, it was really weird because it's the last one. And when I first learned that it was going to be the last award um, announced, I was like, oh, great. Now I have to sit there for an hour, you know, wondering <laughs> what's going to happen. But you forget because there's all this, you know, all these speeches and all this going on. And then as soon as um, Lisa said Nora Roberts, because I knew she's the one who always does the first book. It's her uh, favorite so, category, yes. best first <laughs> yeah. book. Yes, which is so, so amazing. But as soon as she said the words Nora Roberts, I knew, oh, my gosh, it's here. And, you know, that's when I really got like, you know, it all, you know, all of the five days of nervousness in in, in three minutes. It was um, it was crazy. So you were also a Golden Heart nominee. I was. So so I was. So I had um, and it was it's so the whole parties and, uh, you know, all of that I had done two years ago for the same book. Uh, when we first met in Atlanta. Yes. Um, yeah. So I had that had happened. So it wasn't, it was, you know, so I kind of knew uh, you know, what was coming, um, you know, and things like that. So it was uh, still very exciting. Um, but um, but it, it wasn't completely new. So I kind of knew what to expect. So <laughs> when you were in Atlanta, I remember seeing you and I'm pretty sure that your sari was red or pink. Um, it was kind of a a, a, com, a a turquoise, beige, and rust. I think I'm remembering the rust. That's what I'm remembering. Yes. yes. And then to this this year, you were wearing gold and green. I was wearing gold and magenta. It's not like saris are like more than one color. They have to be like six <laughs> colors, right? Yes, this one was. You can have a single colored sari, um, but, uh, you know, what's the fun in that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so was it hard for you to choose what to wear for the award ceremony? 
Um, you know, this was um, this year. I had absolutely sworn that I am not going to buy a new sari because they're <laughs> incredibly expensive. And I had said, "Well, I have a few," and then I ended up buying three <laughs> because I bought one. And then I was like, "Okay, now here I have this one, so I'm not going to buy any more." And then I went to India a week before. Like, I, I came back a week before um, the um, the conference. So of course I was in India, and my mom and I were at my favorite uh, designer store. And she's like, "No, you come with me. I'm the one who wants you." So she wanted to buy something for herself, and I was absolutely sure I'm not going to buy anything. Of course, and you're of not. course I see this. Yeah, and then I see this sari, and my mouth starts to water, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh my gosh." And then the sales lady wraps it, she drapes it around me. And I just knew as soon as I, you know, I was like, okay, how can I not? And then, of course, my mom was, it's your, you know, so my mom bought it for me because she's like, oh, you're nominated. And then, of course, it was like, okay, now my mom's buying it for me. So I have no excuse. <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. So I bought, I really bought three saris. Um, and then the third one I bought, which I was not going to buy, is the one I wore. <laughs> Yes, but I'm sure that having someone buy it for you makes it perfectly acceptable that you already brought, bought three. Absolutely. And my mom and I have this relationship where she is always like every big thing in my life. She, uh, you know, she's she, she will be running around trying to buy me clothes because <laughs> because dressing me, it's like one of the things she's never grown out of. Aww. So she's, she's always yeah so it's like oh your first book guess what I went and bought you know bought you a sari for your first conference and you know so she's always buying me saris and stuff for you know whether it's my baby shower whether it's every single um every single big um milestone in my life she'll go out and buy me a sari so now it's become a thing so you know of course she had to buy one for this that's so that is so sweet though it is incredibly sweet. Yes. And then that way, each one has like a special meaning and a special occasion associated with it. Yes, yes. And she's only the best mother ever. So. Aww. <laughs> so you came back from India right before RWA. How long were you there? I was there for about 20 days. And um, it, it, it's been the craziest month. So I came back a week before. And then in that one week, we went to Kentucky uh, for a friend's daughter's sari ceremony again. Um, what, is and, a, uh, what is a sari ceremony? Please tell me oh all my the things. Gosh. I have to be a little careful about what I say about this because it's it's not something that uh, you know our um, the part of India I'm from we don't uh, really do them anymore. I think it's kind of a coming of age celebration. Like uh, you know, here's our daughter and she is now a woman, and therefore um, you know we're going to put her in a sari for the first time. And um, you know, here she is, kind of thing. Um, we. It's not been done in my family. For I don't think my grandmother had one, so I don't think we've ever done them. But these friends of ours, the part of India they're from, they still do them. And, you know, it's kind of an excuse to get together and party. Um, and eat lots of really good food, so why the heck yes. not? Yes, lots of good food and get to dress up and, you know, the whole thing. Um, we didn't really dance this time, uh, which I see as a sign of us getting old, that we don't <laughs> dance at every given opportunity anymore. Oh, no! <laughs> But otherwise, it was like, oh, ceremony, dance, let's dance, you know, and it's, um, yeah, we didn't do that. But other than that, and, and you know, any any excuse to buy a new, um, buy some new clothes and eat a whole lot of food, yes, so that, that's what it was. And my son's been in India for four weeks. You were telling um, me I, that. Yes, yes, he was, uh, he's 16, and he was in India for four, four weeks. And in fact, he's on a plane right now coming home. Um, so it's going to be very interesting. Uh, and he was, before he left, he was completely um, in that, you know, I don't know if I can eat Indian food every day thing. And he's been, I've been told he was a model, he stayed with family. So I've been told he was really good. And he ate what he was given. And he helped, you know, he cooked and all of that. So we'll see when he comes home, if um, that was actually fun, like everybody said, or if mom's going to get, you know, the brunt of the pent up, uh, the pent up anger. So we'll see. Was he but with your was, family? Yes, yes. He, um, he stayed with um, my husband's sister and her family who whose company he worked at. So it was all very, um, you know, it was all very um, family, family, you know what I mean? Totally, totally. <laughs> to, to use a very Indian uh, turn of phrase, it was very family, family. <laughs> family, family, like that's like extra double more family. 
Yes, yes. And it's it's we repeat things, and often, in fact, we were talking about this at um, at RWA. We'll, we'll not only repeat things, we'll you know for extra emphasis change the first syllable, so it'll be like family, shamily. Yes. <laughs> so, so in fact, Suleika Snyder and we were talking about how you'll say stuff like truck fuck <laughs> and then of course that whole conversation went off in a whole different direction <laughs> so you so, did a whole panel about your writing can you tell people about that panel and how it went well um it i i think it went uh, really well um and I'm being modest, not. But I, it, the panel was about uh, applying lessons learned from Bollywood films to romance novels. Oh, you don't uh, know because... anything about that. You, <laughs> you know nothing about that. Right, right. right. So um, it, it actually, you know, where it came from is, uh, you know, this whole belief that they're essentially the same thing. This is how I came to romance novels. I, you know, the first time I read one, I was uh, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly like watching a Bollywood movie. So, so there's you know all of that. Um, what we were talk one of the things we were talking about in the um, in the workshop was fan intent. You know why fans watch Bollywood films and why uh, fans or, or readers read romance novels. The intent and what you're expecting is exactly the same, which is those emotional highs. And that being immersed inside of, um, you know, inside of this um, emotional story. And it's it's basically that that whole, um, you know, high of having those emotional hits. And we were trying to, um, we tried to kind of encapsulate how it's done in, you know, these huge blockbusters. Mm -hmm. And how, you know, applying those same um, ways in which it is done to your romance novel can make it more sweeping make those emotional hits larger and I think um, you know so we talked about chemistry and conflict and drama which you know are the three um, the three things that the two forms share so that was basically what it was and of course we showed um, showed clips from Bollywood films so we had uh, pretty much you know th with those we pretty much had our audience because you know Ranveer Singh, um, and and you should totally Google him, uh, oiled up uh, and shirtless. <laughs> so, uh, yes. Yes, so, yeah. and yes. Yeah. Once he was up there on screen, nobody was leaving that workshop. You're all you need is, much like the podcast is improved with additional pets, I think every panel is improved with Ranveer Singh. Yes, yes, shirtless and oiled up, and with some incense kind of floating around him. That was... <laughs> of course, you can't not have that. So Absolutely. Is, is there a Bollywood film that you love that every time you turn it on, it works for you and it just gives you exactly what you're looking for? Is there one that you love more than all of them? Or have you watched so many at this point that you just, you have a whole list that you love? I think I do have a whole list that I love. But there, um, you know, if I had to name one, and amazingly enough, it's not a love story. It's called Dil Chahta Hai, which is kind of a coming of age, um, coming of age story of three friends. Unfortunately, they're three male friends. I, I wish somebody would make a Dil Chahta Hai with three uh, female friends. But it's basically this coming of age story of these three guys uh, who are so it's like a new adult no novel almost, who are just out of college and starting out their lives. And, you know, but but the whole connection and, uh, you know, them finding themselves, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's great storytelling. Like for me, always um, the story is important, but the storytelling is really important. So it has the wittiest dialogue, this wonderful banter, these amazingly well-created characters. So I think if I had to name like one, um, one Bollywood Bollywood style movie. I don't mean like an Indian film, uh, you know, which I don't want to use the word art house, but but you know the actual like Bollywood style Bollywood movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's one of the best made, uh, best told stories for me. I also uh, I think have a new favorite, and it was in the theaters until last month, last week, and it's called Dil Dhadakne Do, uh, which means let the heart beat, and it's by. Um, no, well, not it's by the same production house as Dil Chahta Hai, 
And oh my gosh, that whole family saga, like, you know, 100 characters on screen and each one like fully developed. And all these stories kind of intermingling and told really well um, and just just beautiful visuals and all of it. It was just fantastic. So it's that one is still out there. So if people um, wanted to go out and see, I think, a really well-made, well-told uh, Bollywood film, Dil Dharakne Do would be it. I will have to link uh, to both of these. I have a question. Do you remember the first romance novel that you read? Uh, yes, amazingly enough, I do. Because I, there's have a this, story. <laughs> I have this theory that most readers do. So I'm always surprised when someone's like, I don't remember. I think usually most of us are like, yes, it changed my life. I remember everything about it. So which one was it for you? And what's the story? Yes. So the story is that I didn't really um, grow up reading the romance genre um, per se, because I was always reading you know, commercial and literary fiction and all of that. But I was always searching for the love stories in them. I just didn't know that there was this whole genre of just love stories. So I was always kind of zeroing zeroing in on the, the love stories within other uh, genres. And then I think uh, in my 30s, I had young kids and um, I was sick and my husband took the children to the library and I had said, well, I'm out of things to read. Could you pick me up something? And of course, my husband being my husband, he uh, was probably checking their books out and said, darn it, I forgot. And then there was uh, a book sitting right there by checkout and he picks it up. <laughs> And he brings it home. And it's Catherine Coulter's Rose Haven. Which oh, is her- my goodness. Yes. <laughs> and he brings it home. And I look at it. And I look at the back. And I say to him, 10 years you've been married to him. I mean, married to me. And this is what you think I read? Because I'm reading it. I'm going, you know, Lord and, um, you know, forced into marriage and all of that. And I'm thinking, really? And I opened it. And I started reading it. And with the hundred and two fever didn't stop stayed up all night finished it went back to the library picked up all her books inhaled them read all her historicals uh called my best friend who is a movie producer uh in bollywood and we were both we, we'd been trying to write a bollywood script and i call her and i say you're not going to believe this but there's an actual entire genre that reads exactly like bollywood movies and you know that was it <laughs> i just found her read everything she had ever written and then just it was you know then found lisa Claypus, found julia quinn uh, susan elizabeth phillips and there was just you know it just kept getting better and better and i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh i love this <laughs> and then i was it and you know that was it so so rose haven catherine coulter you know what's it. really funny is my first romance that i read was also a catherine coulter oh my gosh yes it was midsummer magic and i was like what is this amazing thing that i am reading <laughs> This is incredible. Yes. So have yes. you have you written a Bollywood script with your friend? Uh yes, I have actually written a few. They're all under my bed, but that was that was my introduction to writing fiction. Uh was writing Bollywood scripts. Um and and before that I all you know, I, I've always written um since I was very young and used to Amazingly enough, um, you know, I used to write reviews of all the books I read and all the movies I um, watched. And, um, you know, because it was, I always thought, oh, I'll go to journalism school. And it's all about the opinion, you know, because the entire world needs to know how I feel about everything. Yes, yes, they do. And I never thought that, you know, creating characters or telling stories was really what it was about. Although when I was very young, I wrote plays and then our neighborhood, we would act them out. But, you know, of course, um, that didn't say to me, oh, you like writing stories. That was just plays we were doing. And then, you know, I um, until I start uh, and and also the way that I um, started to write those Bollywood scripts was um, was exactly this, that um, my best friend was she had just um, won a national award for this movie she had made. Uh, called Mr. and Mrs. Iyer, which is also an absolutely beautiful uh, Indian film. It's not exactly Bollywood, but it's this beautiful uh, love story set against the backdrop of um, of um, communal riots. So it's just absolutely beautiful. And because of that, she was, uh, you know, her co- uh, career had really taken off, and she was getting to read uh, a ton of scripts. And um, we would talk about it, and she's like, "I just." 
why? Why when I'm reading so many, am I not getting a good commercial script? And um, we were, you know, and and we've grown up Bollywood buffs. And um, she said, you know what? You should just write me one. And I said, you know what? I will. Sure. No pressure. (laughs) And and no, seriously, it was just that, you know, we're on the phone. She's sitting in Mumbai. I'm sitting here. I have, you know, I'm um, a a, a young mother, two babies, uh, you know, a full-time job, huge extended family because I needed one more thing to do. And, And I said, you know what? I think I will. And two weeks later, I, we had, you know, we had a script. Wow. <laughs> but of course, you know, there's a reason that it's not, it never got made. <laughs> but but once I had, um, once I had created characters and once I had lived with them, that was it. That was it. There was no going back. Of course. So, yeah. And then the whole, you know, went to the library, picked out craft books, started taking classes and, you know. Um, so, so I learned how to write fiction on, um, you know, while writing those scripts. Now, is she going to produce a movie of your book? Uh, well, (laughs) and if you can't answer that, and I totally understand if you can't answer if things are in progress, it's, it's really awkward to sometimes ask an author about, you know, options and movies and stuff. But I was sitting here thinking, you know, you're book would kind of make a really great Bollywood movie just a little I will uh, I will say this yes absolutely because even as I write them it it, you know I I like that whole you know they're playing like the sweeping um Bollywood saga in my mind so stylistically I you know it's it's I definitely write them to be um to have the same feeling and hit those same emotional notes as um Bollywood films but but I'll say this um because you know of course I have no I don't know and it's all like you said it's the you know stuff I don't want to talk about stuff because um I don't know but I will say this I will you know if if you could Tell me, um, you know, if you could ask me what would you what do you really want, then of course I would love for her to, um, you know, for for us to finally because it would be, you know, our journey started together. I started writing, um, you know, because of our joint love um, for Bollywood films. So it would be such an amazing. Um, can you imagine how fantastic that would be uh, if we actually get to work on this movie, uh, you know, and turn it into a movie? It would be a complete dream come true i'm just gonna see simba agrees simba knows what's up i i i am presuming that ranveer singh is available oh my gosh uh yeah now you're just playing with me (laughs) (laughs) there there are many many shirtless scenes that would work really well absolutely yes (laughs) so tell me tell me that while you were writing this book you also wrote the music right Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I really do want to ask you about your next book. It's coming out this fall and it's got a gorgeous cover. And I would really like you to tell me all of the things about it. Like if you just wanted to read it, that would be fine with me because I'm really excited. Just 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 read the back. No, just read the whole book. (laughs) No, just do that. Just tell me all the things. I'm such a ham about reading my book. Never say that to me because I will actually take like three days of your podcast time and read the entire darn thing. <laughs> I, you know, captive audience, I just read for the first time. So I think of it as like the first, I read it Lady Jane's uh, in New York City uh, just before the conference. Oh, was it and fun? And it was my first letting the book out into the world kind of experience. And everybody kept asking me, how was it? And, you know, my answer is, hello, you give me a captive audience and you let me read from my book. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's I, I think, you know, um, it, and if your listeners have watched the first one, so my, I'll preface it first by saying I think it's a little bit different uh, in tone uh, from the from a Bollywood affair, it's a little bit darker and more intense. It's not quite as much of a rom-com as I um, perceive the first one as being. It's the story of um, uh, uh, the heroine is basically um, battling mental illness, comes from a long uh, history of uh, mental illness in her family. She's um, you know, she's basically struggled with a lot of things with mutism and um, things like that. So she's a very different uh, heroine from um, uh, from Millie. 
but she basically has grown up um between india and uh, chicago so she um spends her you know spends her year um school year at a boarding school in india and she spends her summers here um at her aunt's house in chicago uh, in the chicago suburbs and growing up um her you know her aunts um or rather her uncle's nephew uh, these kids have grown up together and um she, you know he's her best friend uh, and it transforms you know seamlessly into love um and they, so so they've basically they have this intense thing that's always been there and then they've been you know teenage lovers and teenage sweethearts and then she dumps him really badly and um goes off and becomes an actress in bollywood and where we find As them you do yes <laughs> uh and of course uh, you know they so she's dumped him really really badly and now 10 years later they're both back at um uh, their cousin's wedding and there's uh you know he's just getting back on his feet after having his heart broken and um she now has a successful career and there's all that anger and all that angst um and of course as soon as they meet you know it's obvious um that all of the feelings have not gone too far they're just blanketed under all this anger and um but there's all the reasons why they couldn't be together are still there and now you know they have one you know she has to work through all of her issues uh, he has to work through all of his issues and um so it's a very very angsty and um i think deliciously angsty book <laughs> so <laughs> so while a bollywood affair was more sweet and a little lighter on the angst although there was considerable mm-hmm. angst in the later half this one is more angsty this one is more angsty because we're talking about uh, you know we're talking about the themes um you know we're talking about mental illness we're talking about uh you know societal pressures and stigmas that go with it uh we're talking about a heroine who's actually struggling with depression and always has um you know and and the whole search for family and identity so it's kind of um you know the, the themes are darker so it's still very much a family saga and there's sweetness in that but um but i think that um the issues that they're dealing with are a little bit darker so how is this book how is how is the bollywood bride related to a bollywood affair are there characters that overlap because i I remember Vikram wasn't he in the book or am I remembering badly No he he was not but Riya was mentioned um Riya who's the heroine she was mentioned because um at the beginning of Bollywood affair when uh, Samir is working on an ad film she's the person who has been in that ad film so their agents so DJ who was Samir's agent is also Riya's agent so he's actually the only character that kind of ties the two books together as far as story goes or as far as continuity there's absolutely no connection the only connection in uh, these two books and also the third one that will come out is that one of the protagonists works in bollywood and that's ah. about so the so the world is kind of um the world the bollywood world which in which these books are not technically set uh they're kind of you know only partially set in them because this is more the real lives of the bollywood stars so i have while i have a little bit of bollywood the setting is not entirely bollywood but that would be the only common thing in fact so you're you're basically writing similar stories in the same world um no i'm i think i'm writing very different stories but i'm sorry you're writing different books in a similar world but i didn't say that right sorry about that so so you're writing you're writing different books but they're all set in a in a similar connected industry yes so i think the industry is the only common thing uh because i mean i say world uh and the bollywood part of it 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 is true that the worlds are the same but uh even as far as um the rest the, the larger world uh the indian uh world of the stories is different because the first one is more um m- more indians in india mm-hmm. and bollywood bride is more the indian american culture so it's more diaspora and you know more um more uh, a bubble of culture created outside of the country which is a little bit different i think in shade uh from 
you know, from Indians who actually live in India. So even even those two worlds, I think the experience of being inside of an, you know, of the Indian culture is a little bit different in the two books. So are you excited about this book coming out? Absolutely excited. And I'm excited, really excited now. I, I know I was terrified. Uh, I don't know if I should admit this, but I was uh, trying to explain it to someone the other day. And I said, well, your first book is like going out into your backyard naked at night. <laughs> Where, you know, someone might see you, might not see you. You can run out, you can run in. And the second one is, um, I think, like going out into your front yard naked in broad daylight, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like there's that um there's that no veil of darkness uh, uh, kind of thing going on so it is it's it's uh, i think very terrifying which is i don't mean to sound um no it ungrateful. makes total sense more people are paying attention now yes yes and uh you know which is great i want people to pay attention but it's a it's a bit nerve-wracking and uh but i'm really excited about it now um it's it's i think i've gotten past that and now i'm like here read it here read it you know i'm ready to run around handing it out to people there was a time when i was like oh my gosh people are going to read this oh my gosh so um i've gotten past that and i'm uh really excited about it now um especially i think because now enough people have read it that you know that sense that oh gosh everybody's gonna think this sucks thing is <laughs> has been put to rest a little bit <laughs> so can you can you tell us a little about the third book or are you still working on it I am still working on it um and uh my gosh this is probably the first time um in you know th not probably this is the first time I'm writing under contract so it's a whole different experience but yeah I'll definitely tell you um you know a little about it it's again I you know I I have no idea what's wrong with me but they're getting progressively darker this one is um is um it makes the second one look like it's a giggle fest so oh no oh, yeah i know it's basically uh the story of this couple uh who they work um work for uh, doctors without borders so they you know this extremely noble um activist kind of couple and um, wh wh while the wife is working in Dharavi which is uh, India's biggest uh, biggest slum when she's uh, working there in this clinic she kind of stumbles upon uh, an organ black market ring and starts to investigate it and uh, she's warned off by the local you know um, underworld but she doesn't listen and she's murdered in front of him so yeah and um, we so so the story starts two years after that when we find this guy basically hiding out um you know on a he's a cruise ship doctor which is exactly the opposite of being uh you know a doctor without borders doctor so here we have him basically hiding out you know wanting nothing to do with his old life and basically trying to drink himself to death and this woman shows up uh, on the ship one day tells him I am the recipient of your wife's heart in a transplant and she's been talking to me from uh, the other side and she wants you uh, to get back in there and help me find uh, the evidence that she hid against her killers. So, Good gracious. Basically, that's what it is. So uh, she pretty much drags him out of there and it's it's that their story of you know basically healing coming out um but it's also a very uh, an extremely dark heroine and you know but but that's basically the theme uh of this guy finding his way back to his uh back to his nobility and his cause and uh healing from this awful tragedy and finding the finding the murderers and so it it's kind of veers off a little bit into dark suspense territory that is a lot of suspense, and and it's a lot of, I mean, you have to explore sort of the, the, the cultural differences in the approaching of death as well. Yes, yes, and it's um, a lot of other, um, because also the heroine is uh, actually from Nepal. She was trafficked out of ne Nepal as part of a human trafficking thing. Oh, my uh, goodness. In yeah, and then she's been working as um, an extra, as a chorus dancer in Bollywood films. So it's, a, you know, it's it's as far as Bollywood goes, it's a more underbelly because I've dealt with stars in the first two books. Right. So this is 
the it's the darker underbelly of uh, Bollywood also from from that point of view. And and uh, yeah. Wow. You go, girl. Damn. <laughs> it must be hard to to research that, though. I know oh. when I read about human trafficking and things, it's 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 really difficult to to read about. It, to read about, to watch, and I think that, um, you know, and I keep saying how hard this book has been to write, how much time it's taken me, and um, and I think it has so much to do with that, that, um, you know, just watching uh, those things and, you know, basically... Um, even the whole conditions that Doctors Without Borders work under, human trafficking, uh, organ stealing, you know, it's all very real. It actually happens um, way, way, way more than it should. There's documentaries on it. And it's really hard to watch that first and then to internalize it as part of a story is, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know. It's not, uh, it's been, it's been a, a ride. Yes. Good gracious, yes. Wow. So after that book, are you going to write another script? Are you going to take a giant leap into the big vat of happiness? And <laughs> Yes, please. I was, in fact, I was at RWA telling my uh, editor about the fourth book because I do have a third and fourth book coming out uh, or rather contracted out with Kensington. So was, and he had never, I had never talked to him about the fourth one. We, you know, he, he only knew about the third one. So I am so wanting to write a light, fun heroine, you know, so it's like the fourth one. I think we kind of, go back a little bit into the whole rom-com thing um because uh yeah so she's she's somebody who actually has been raised as a bubble girl and i'll just leave it at that where she's been you know um a sickly child who's kind of all you know grown up in that bubble because they, her parents have actually tried to keep her alive of course uh, until she gets um you know and, and the two stories are very closely tied until she gets her heart and uh, once she's out there in the world she's like let me have this world like I'm going to live the heck out of it (laughs) so she's she's one of those get out of my way I'm going to live so I'm uh, really excited about writing her and uh, you know finally somebody who's uh, who refuses to be um, sad or refuses to be down and uh, so it's um, yeah I'm excited about her because these two um, have uh, are um, yeah it's been um, a pretty dark ride, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So well, you're so okay. that's going to be two books that deal with transplants. So those two books are very closely tied together. Yes, and if I, uh, you know, if I, and they're almost part of one larger story. Um, they're they're two sides of the same story, and that's all I'll say because otherwise I'll be giving away too much. Of course, at, you know at this point. But they are they happen in tandem almost. They happen in parallel. They're 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 basically two sides of the same story. That's very cool. I won't ask you for more because I know you don't want to. Uh, I know you don't want to. Um, you know, add more. Yeah, and to if what I tell you any more, then you may not need to read the book because it'll be everything. <laughs> So what are you reading or what have you read lately that you recommend? Oh, my gosh. Um, I should have prepared better for this question, but of course. <laughs> so I um, I actually read Deeper by uh, Robin York, um, who's Ruthie Knox, right? She, yes. Uh, so she gave this amazing acceptance speech at RT. And I don't know how I had never read her before, but that speech was so amazing that I ran out to the, you know, I ran out and bought her book. And oh my gosh, have you read Deeper? I have not. Oh my gosh. Tell it me is- more. So it's, and I don't usually read a whole lot of NA of, um, you know, new adult, but I think, I mean, it's everything new adult should be. It is just a gorgeously written. It's um, very, very, um, um, so it's, it's this, the heroine is somebody who has had, you know, who's this very conscientious, good girl who's always done well. And then she makes the mistake of uh, letting her, boyfriend take naked pictures of her and take pictures of her performing uh stuff performing acts on him and he's when they break up he basically um 
shares that with the world so mm-hmm. her entire you know wonderful existence comes crashing down so uh it's a i think it's a very real issue and the way she handles it is absolutely brilliant like it's 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 absolutely not the way uh you know you would expect someone to handle it she's very real about it she actually uh you know ha- through the, the journey of the heroine she um she had what is the word i'm looking for she works her way through the issue and like really gets into it and works her way through it it's just brilliantly done and the hero west uh he must be i think the one of the most brilliant um heroes i've read in romance in a very very long time this guy um and she goes everywhere like she he's a he's a drug dealer uh he uh, is completely unapologetic when he's a jerk but he's so not a jerk i mean she's taken this hero who is absolutely unredeemable and redeems him like spectacularly violence wow. and and uh, you know violence and what is the word i'm looking for fireworks in the sky redeems him i mean he's just Whoa. one of the most amazing heroes that i've read so her book just made me want to get up and dance it was just beautiful gorgeous writing I don't know how I haven't read her yet but um, boy am I just going to inhale it all it's just I just started the second one uh, which is harder um which is just as spectacularly written so she's uh, so I I recently discovered her and um, I think it's a tragedy that uh, she's she's stayed hidden from me for so long <laughs> so it's that's that's a great book I think just fantastic I read uh recently also Glitterland uh by Alexis Hall you've read that one right yes i have oh and another spectacular romance i thought i just loved it um it it was beautifully written it's brilliantly smart it just um the prose is wonderful the characters are real i mean talk about handling mental illness um well it just um it, i i think it's a brilliantly written book and i absolutely loved it so those are my uh, you know two recent um discoveries that i loved i also loved last year uh joanna shoop's um historicals um really? that yes so she did this trilogy um and um I found it because she's a very good friend and an extremely um brilliant person and smart and funny and her books are that. I mean they're just just so whipper smart and the voice is so sharp and smart. Um that and, and the um and the characters are all about like they're you know socially conscious, socially active um characters which is the kind of uh, you know because really you know authenticity in um in historicals i don't think we read historicals at least not historical romance for authenticity but um, but but being able to imagine that characters like that could have existed who felt so strongly about feminism and about you know about a uh, class system about the class system and just how they handle it and her voice is wonderful so i love them and they're hot so they <laughs> so she you know, It's yeah so I loved her trilogy and I think uh the names were um oh the um Courtesan Duchess uh Harlot Countess and I'm going to blank out on the third one but all the Lady Helian Lady Helian I lo- I did love all three of those too Did you read those No I have not but Redheaded Girl who reviews for me um reviewed the Lady Helian back in May and loved it adored yeah. yes. it just had so many great things to say not only about the characters but also the writing and the, the writing. way the characters sort of fit into the world yes. that they're in they're all sort of on the edge on the fringe yes absolutely and her voice and her writing is just flawless and and exactly that that whole social consciousness uh they're not just your you know over attending balls and you know kind of um historical characters but they're actually trying to change the world in which they live and it's amazing like lady sophia uh, you know dresses as a man and go, you know tries to rescue women from the bro- you know from the li- you know from brothels and he is a a, a you know a scientific genius uh, it just it's um who's extremely socially awkward um and that's wonderful her her so quint is actually this 
wonderfully you know nerdy character in that time when you know when other historicals don't have like a nerdy hero to that extent socially awkward nerdy hero is she just pulls it off brilliantly well just wonderful and you you like a good nerdy hero Oh my gosh, I'm such a beta girl. So my theory is all the alphas are really betas in disguise. <laughs> because none of us want to read a real alpha, you know. But, but because they, you know, yeah, they they have the whole alpha swagger, but we only read these heroes because their heart is beta. So I'm like such a beta girl and a, a good nerd. Oh my gosh, a good family man, that's I live for them. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that's with my, you though. Indian I family. I love a good beta hero. Is yes, that you're, you're going to say that's an Indian thing? Well, I was going to say the whole my the the you know I love a family man and that's my Indian coming out is what I said. Family shmamily. <laughs> oh, family shmamily. Uh-huh. But you know, a man who puts family ahead of uh-huh. everything else. You know, what more do you want in life? It's that's true. What you want. It's very uh-huh. true. Does it unapologetically? That's what you want. You know. This is what's important to me. Deal. I know. I know exactly what you mean. I really like reading about heroes in pretty much any setting that are emotionally fluent or at the very least comfortable with having feelings. Like I lose a lot of patience with a hero who's like, you have made me feel things. Now I am angry and must take it out on you. I have feelings that aren't in my pants and now I'm mad. Like I lose patience with that guy so fast. Yes, and it's okay for him to do that when it's uh, when he is aware and everybody is aware that it's just an act because the feelings are so large that he just cannot, you know. So then it's delicious. But if he's really like that, then uh, I don't know. I know what you mean. Is there anything else you wanted to make sure that you mentioned before um, before we disconnect? Because I have so much good discussion for the podcast this has been so much fun but I always want to ask at the end if there's anything you wanted to make sure that you talked about that you didn't mention you know I always these days I have um not just these days but it's 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 I'm gonna say the big d word uh I'm gonna talk about diversity and please um, you can talk about diversity all you want have I ever given the impression that that's not okay (laughs) not at all not at all but um you know I the whole the Rita thing and, um, you know, having four, um, I believe five, the fifth one I didn't know about, five Rita finalists um, who, who, you know, whose stories were diverse. That's, um, you know, I'm told that's progress. And I, you know, I guess that is progress. But I think that um, that our genre is any genre that's so focused on love and so focused on people who um, who actually enjoy emotional growth and you know uh, cultural growth and all of that. I mean, we wanted to put uh, we're the kind of people who want to put these modern characters in historical settings and really like almost take off on that. But you're living in a world where your neighbors aren't all white, where your kids aren't going to school with you know, with just one kind of person. To have a genre that is so overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly neutral uh, and white neutral is, I think, absolutely, um, I think, uh, you know, a black mark on the genre, given given the kind of readers we are. You know what I mean? Um, Uh, Yes, yes, I do. Yeah, and I think that just getting out of your comfort zone and reading um, a book that is different from the books you have read all along could could change everything. And, you know, um, it, I think, uh, and not only because I write them, because there are so many, you know, every kind of writer out there writing such gorgeous books um, that it's really time for everybody to make that conscious effort and say, I'm going to read outside of my comfort zone and to to read outside their comfort zone. But I think that, you know, each one of us owes it to ourselves and to this genre that we love to pick up at least that one first book and see how you feel. And I, I almost guarantee that you're going to be surprised by what you find. So I, I think one of the problems is often that the default 
the, the path yes. of least resistance in marketing and in selling and in, in, in pitching and all of the, the, the sort of well-worn paths through which a book is published, the default is white, heterosexual, Christian, American, with a very set of prescribed characteristics. And yes. so you don't see enough r romances about other faiths, about other cultures, and about other people's experiences. I think one of the biggest problems is that, especially in the United States, white people are very thoroughly taught that if there's a person of color on the cover or on the front, that's not for you. And it's not like, oh, no, that's really bad. Don't go near there. It's just that's not for you. And, and the way that people interpret that message varies. But white consumers have not really been taught, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. to look for things or even consider things that have people of color present, presented as the indicating element of that product. So if we're talking about books, it's people on the cover or the the names of the characters or with the setting of the characters. But yeah. I agree with you. I think in romance, we have a really good opportunity to change that because we're all after a really good story. And yes, so absolutely. many readers I've seen are reaching outside of the Regency. They're reaching outside of the very familiar settings. I know a lot of people who are like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with small towns. What's next? It, it's, I think the whole thing is you hit the nail on the head because it is comfort zone, right? It's, um, you know, we read to be comforted and all of that, but we also read to travel outside and, you know, to, to get that emotional hit. But I think between the comfort zone and the emotional hit, we want our emotional hits within that comfort zone. And we've been taught that the comfort zone is, you know, two white characters because it's neutral and everybody can put themselves in that. Um, and, and I think that un, until and unless everybody everybody makes the consorted effort to kind of get out of that mindset, you know, that will never change. And then, I mean, I love to say that uh, editors uh, are buying for the shelves. And until we start to buy books, to read books and to talk about books that are outside of those shelves, that they're not going to have a market to feed. They're in a business, right? And of course, they should have courage. And of course, they should, you know, change the shelves from inside out and all of that. But really, in the end, supply and demand, if we demand more books, and if we consume the ones that are out there, then there's going to be more, uh, more demand, and we're going to have access to better stories. Because right now, um, you know, diverse stories are not getting a chance to develop. You're writing under the constraints of an expectation. So, you know, it's, um, uh, and I feel personally for me, the fact that my editor will always say to me, well, go more Indian, go more into, like, go into their backgrounds and give me their childhood and give me, you know, be more authentic, be more and more and more Indian uh, because you're writing within that culture. It just opens up the kind of stories I can tell. And I've seen because of that over the four stories that, you know, I'm telling that I have uh, had so much space to play and it helps you develop as a writer. And um, I think the readers deserve that, you know, from all diverse writers is to give them that space and to, the way to give them that space to tell these, you know, beautiful stories that can be told is to actually is to actually make that decision and to follow it up by not just buying the books, absolutely buy the books, but read them. Because I feel like if you read them, you will change your mind about all your preconceived notions about only one thing being neutral and relatable. And I think if you read, um, read these stories, I think you're going to want to read more of them. I agree, especially because they contain a lot of food. <laughs> I said I was part of a panel on trends. And one of the things I said was, you know, first of all, diversity isn't a trend. It's not something that's going to come and then go. It, it is a necessary change to the genre. But it is a good thing to learn about other cultures because most of them you write about community and food and I happen to love reading about food it makes me very happy so you know how all of these strongly vibrant cultures that are represented in um in in romance means we're going to read about more food yes 
and more families and more different ways in which families handle the same problems. And I think, uh, yeah, yeah, communities. And I think that's the other reason why this is important to romance is because we're all about the community. That is why these small town, you know, romances do so well, because we want uh, we want these little bubbles of people who all know each other and who all are like interacting, you know, yes. and um, we love that humanity and human connection. And um, it happens so organically in so many cultures that I think that it, it, it draws you in and it makes for great stories. So um, definitely. And the food. Yes. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I remember talking to you about the food in my books. And, and and I've told you this before. When I was writing them, I had like it did not even strike me. It did not strike me that there's so much food in the books because it's such a part of my day to day life. And it would be such a part of any, you know. Indian character, I think, which is not to say every Indian character, that would be a a generalization, but me and my family and, you know, um, it just came so naturally to me that now when people say, oh, your books are all about food, I'm like, yeah, really, they are. (laughs) And what what does that say about me? This is why I'm hungry all the time. Well, I mean, come on, the food was one of the most erotic parts of the book. It was so incredibly erotic. I mean, I have never, well, they... Were they making roti or were they making samosas? Either way, it was the hottest goddamn thing I'd ever seen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, they were basically facing off. They were having a samosa face off. It it was it was delicious. Do not read that yeah. while hungry was my number one recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. A man who feeds you, you know, I think. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's something about that. It's true. And that is all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed that. I want to thank Sonali Dev for hanging out on Skype with me. We had a very long, very fun conversation, so I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. This podcast is brought to you by Intermix, publisher of national best-selling author Anne Calhoun's Evening Storm, the new e-novella in her sinfully addictive Irresistible series. You can download it on August 18th. Our podcast transcript this week is sponsored by Free Tutorial, a free and global meeting place for readers and writers from all over the planet. Free Tutorial is a publisher and a library. They invite you to download and read some of your favorite public domain books, as well as books and articles from their authors. And you can check out their long short story contest, too. There is lots to discover at Free Tutorial. Our music is provided by Sassy Outwater. You can find her on Twitter at Sassy Outwater. This is the Pete Bog Fairies from their album Black House. This track is called Angus and Joyce McKay. You can find their new album online at Amazon or iTunes or wherever you like to buy music. If you have questions or suggestions or questions about suggestions, or maybe you have suggestions of questions that I should ask, you can email us at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. We do love hearing from you because you are awesome. And on behalf of Jane and Sonali Dev and myself, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a great weekend.